Welcome to the UTG at Work podcast. I'm Deacon Mike Houghton. I'm the executive director of an apostolate called UTG at Work. Our mission is to help women and men joyfully live their faith and witness to Christ in the gospel in the workplace. I'm happy to be with you as we explore the Sunday gospel in ways that help people who work. You can find this podcast as well as helpful articles, videos, and other materials on our website, which is utgatwork.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting sites. This weekend we celebrate the 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our gospel is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally he sent his son to them, thinking, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? By the Lord this has been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There's a phrase I've heard that describes this Gospel passage. That phrase is this. God wants his world back. It's basically a way of saying that God created the world and everything in it, and he's disappointed at how much the world has turned away from him in response. Just like the landowner in this Gospel passage is upset with how the tenants are unwilling to give him his due. I've heard people take offense to this phrase for a couple of different reasons. One group, generally the atheists and agnostics, object because they think that it gives God too much credit. They'll say that it's not God's world. Even if he did create it, it's ours now and not his, so he can't have it back. The other group are the more devout, faith-filled folks who say that it doesn't give God enough credit. God never surrendered control of his world, so he doesn't want or need it back. If he wanted it back, he'd take it. I myself, I kind of like the phrase. I think it's accurate because... God created the world and all of us as well, but he gave us free will to live and act as we wish. This means that he accepts the fact that some of us will choose to live in ways that are contrary to what he desires of us. Some will completely ignore him. He doesn't like it, but he gives us the freedom to choose, and he also provides for the consequences of what we choose after our life on earth ends. So yes, he desires to have his creation appreciate and worship him as God. The first three commandments speak to this point. But he also loves us so much that he gives us the free will to not do it, even though it offends him. I had a rather sad experience along these lines last week when I was speaking at a conference in Denver. Whenever I travel, I like to buy a small statue of Mary from the places I visit. I have statues of Mary from several different countries and from many places around the United States, and each of them has a story. So one evening, I went to the front desk of my hotel and asked if there were any stores near the hotel that sold religious items. Perhaps a Catholic bookstore, or something like that. The two men behind the counter had absolutely no clue how to answer, so they just smiled and said, I don't think so. 
this was clearly something that they had never been asked or considered. So, I left the hotel and I walked around the neighborhood where there were many shops and restaurants. Surely I could find something here. But store after store had nothing, even remotely Christian. I eventually gave up on the idea of finding something of Mary, and I offered her a prayer of apology because I couldn't find anything that recognized her role in salvation history. Then I figured I'd just look for something religious, anything at all, and I found absolutely nothing. I did find plenty of art devoted to the pagan gods of the American Indians, to various forms of indulgence in drugs, and other things that I'd rather not talk about, but nothing even remotely Christian. So then I figured I'd go to some jewelry stores to look around. I didn't want any jewelry, but at this point I was just curious to see if I could find something, a cross, or something that reflected a Christian perspective in some way. But sadly, I found nothing of the sort. I truly felt bad about this experience. Why was there absolutely nothing that gave God his due while there were false idols being glorified all over town? And I thought to myself, I'll bet God does want his world back, starting right here in downtown Denver. Now please, don't take this as a shot at Denver. Denver may well have a thriving Christian community that I just didn't see, but the story is pretty much the same everywhere I go. So much of our country has lost its appreciation for God, and it's become harder and harder to find anything Christian in the public square. So this phrase, God wants his world back, is very much related to what we believe at UTG at work as well. God's world is more than what we know in our churches and in our homes. God's world is everywhere, including downtown Denver, and especially including the workplace. He desires a relationship with us, and he wants to welcome us into his kingdom as friends. If we did that, we would find evidence of the kingdom of God everywhere we go. But far too often, people either ignore him completely or just ignore him at work. Today's gospel passage is yet another of many where Jesus uses the analogy of work to get his point across. In this case, it's the work of tending to a vineyard. God, as the landowner who planted the vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And the tenants to whom he leased it are the Pharisees, the people to whom Jesus directed this parable. Once again, the Pharisees take it on the chin for the way that they're acting as the religious leaders of the people of Israel. The tenants kill the son, who is, of course, Jesus, and so the landowner gives the land over to others, who are the Gentiles. Now this, no doubt, infuriated the Pharisees, who were not pleased with Jesus calling them out for their shortcomings and threatening to give to the Gentiles what they felt was rightfully theirs. Now, it's easy to hear today's gospel and simply agree how foolish the Pharisees were. They failed to understand that the way they were leading the faithful just wasn't in line with God's will. They were clerical, and they were arrogant, and they put themselves first in virtually everything that they did. Jesus took issue with them many times in his three-year ministry. But even though this may be true, Jesus' parables aren't meant to be read only with someone else in mind. They're also meant for self-reflection. As they say, whenever you point a finger at someone, you have three fingers pointing back at you. So, how does this passage speak to you and your circumstances? Well, you and I are the tenants to whom the landowner released his vineyard after he got rid of the tenants who rejected him. And God now asks us to give him the produce at the proper time. So, what's expected of us? Well, think about the first tenants of the vineyard. It seems that they did a pretty good job of tending to the vineyard. After all, there was produce that came from it. But what they didn't do was recognize and appreciate that the produce they cultivated wasn't theirs. They were only the tenants. The real owner of the vineyard, even though he wasn't visible to them, was the reason that they had a vineyard in the first place. As the next tenants of the vineyard, we too are asked to bear fruit in our jobs. And that means doing the things that we're asked to do by our employers. 
We Christians can and should be productive members of society, contributing toward the common good as we go about doing our jobs. And many of us who are Christians do just that. We work hard for our companies because we feel an obligation to do so. I'm sure I'm biased when I say this, but the Christians with whom I've worked over the years were the best workers. We generated the produce, if you will. For this, we should all give thanks. A solid work ethic is not only a good idea, but also biblical. St. Paul himself said that those who don't work shouldn't eat. But it's not enough to simply do the work. We need to recognize that the owner of the business and of everything in this world is God. And while he expects us to do our jobs, he also expects us to realize that, in the end, it all belongs to him. As Christian men and women in the workplace, we need to realize that everything we have, from our families to our homes to our businesses, ultimately belongs to God. After all, when we return to God at the end of our lives, we don't take those things with us. And so, I ask you today to take a moment and to offer your workplace to God. Say a prayer in your office, your cubicle, your home office, your car, wherever you do your work, and simply tell God that you realize that it is He who is the owner of that space, and that you are only a tenant, working to produce as He expects, but ultimately realizing that it all belongs to Him. You can go online and find blessings for various types of workspaces, or you can simply pray from your heart. I myself prefer the latter, because I think that praying from the heart tends to be more genuine. But if you prefer to find a prayer online, then feel free to find one and pray it. If you wish, you can also call your local parish and ask the priest or deacon to come out and bless your office. I've had the pleasure of blessing a few offices in my time as deacon, and I find it to be a wonderful experience. Needless to say, bringing faith into the workplace is something that means a lot to me. God wants his world back, and that means every part of our lives, including where we work. Blessed are those who appreciate this and who live their lives in a way that honors it. Thanks for joining me for this week's UTG at Work podcast. I look forward to meeting again next week. In the meantime, I encourage you to boldly live your faith in the workplace in the week ahead. I'll pray for your success, and I ask that you pray for the success of this UTG at Work apostolate. If you want to learn more about us, please visit utgatwork.org. Now go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. <laughs>